This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You scared money don't make no money. You scared money don't make money. You are listening to Inside the Tunnel, a Virginia Tech sports podcast presented by VT Scoop on 247sports.com. All right, on the line, we have a very special guest, CZY Hokey. How are you doing tonight, my man? I'm sitting here talking to you. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, um, very appreciative to have you on. Uh, it's been a long time in the works. Definitely needed you on here at some point. And I guess I'll give you a little introduction for uh, the people that may not know you. Essentially, with VT Scoop, there's CZY and Evan. Uh, if you go down a few tiers, you'll find me, but he's the insider of all insiders, uh, the masked crusader. He always knows what's going on with Virginia Tech at all times. And if you're a member of VT Scoop, you definitely know him. And when he talks, the people listen. So just wanted to get your thoughts on on Virginia Tech in general. So that sound good? Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. All right, sweet. So obviously we've been talking a lot over the course of the season and even in the preseason. I think, you know, me, you, and Evan all thought that at this point in the season that Virginia Tech would be 4-1 and one, uh, with a lone loss, maybe at Miami. But right now they're sitting at 3-2. and two. Just given all that's taken place, uh, how far off were we to believe that everything changed from last season during the course of the offseason and that this year was going to be better? What do you think is so different from – what we thought was going to happen in the off season to what's ha- actually happening now. Like what's your biggest takeaway so far? You know, I had this conversation with somebody the other day. It wasn't too long ago. We were talking about when we were recruiting Feaster and we thought we had a shot at him that, you know, if we got him on the team, we, you know, we'd probably be punching a ticket to the ACC championship game. I, you know, I don't even think that would have made that, that much of a difference. I think quarterback play is still a big, issue for us. Um, I really liked what I saw at a hook through the other day, but, you know, it was a good win. It was a lot of fun. We got back to seeing, you know, LPD football, a lot of turnovers. Guys played with some energy, but, you know, we still gave up a ton of yards. We had five turnovers and still barely scraped that win out. So it was a great win for Hokie Nation. You know, feel good about it for a week, but I just don't – Yes, it's a whole lot of things I don't understand right now. I think it's you know I think the coaches feel the same way. I think the fan base feels the same way. Uh, quarterback play is probably a big thing though. The offensive line hasn't stepped up like I thought they would. You know, last week maybe the last two weeks they've showed you know, a little more promise, but something that's just not clicking up there. And I don't you know I, I wish I had an answer. And I think the coaches feel the same way. Certainly, Fuente feels that way. But it's. Uh, you know, it's still a work in progress five games in. And, you know, again, I think there's a lot of football to be played, but I'm not sure we're going to find out who we are until we really get into, 
in the ACC play again. You know, we got we got hammered by Duke, and we played a really good game on the road for the most part against Miami, but still a lot of questions being answered. I don't know that I have – yeah, I certainly don't have all the answers. I don't know that anybody does, but it's uh, it's not where we thought we would be at this point of the season, I can tell you that. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely from – I think I – had Virginia Tech at eight and four, and I think there's still a long way to go if they want to get to that mark. Uh, but it just seems like there's so many different problems, and it's not just Virginia Tech. To be fair, you know we're looking at Miami now; they have their own problems. Uh, if they drop the game against Virginia on Friday, all of a sudden they're zero and three in the ACC, and I don't think anyone saw that coming. I think there's a lot of teams that are just so variable from week to week, and Virginia Tech feels the same way. Uh, I know you mentioned that we might not get to know what Virginia Tech is for several weeks, maybe in the midst of ACC play or even, you know, post Notre Dame. But I feel like just who knows at this point, it may take till the end of the season. But there were signs of encouragement, uh, like you mentioned, the the five turnover game from the lunch pail D and Hennon Hooker in there. Do you see a brighter outlook now that Hendon Hooker is kind of at the reins of quarterback? It looks more like Virginia Tech football. I think most people, I use the term big era quite a bit, but um, plenty of old guys around like me and certainly older that remember, you know, pre-90s. But, you know, it looks more like Virginia Tech football. We got a half-body quarterback, make those with play. You know, that to me is Virginia Tech's identity. Blue collar, gritty, hard nosed offense, dynamic quarterback, playmakers on offense. You know, one time our, you know, our offense line was known for our toughness. And, you know, that's, I think that's where we're lacking. But with Hendon in there, you, you know, you get some of that back. I mean, I don't know, I really don't know what his ceiling is. I don't know that anybody does because he's, you know, got to get another game under his belt. But, um, I tell you for his first game on the road, ACC play. In Miami, decent crowd. Uh, I mean, that's, we've had plenty of guys go down there and not win. You know, Tyrod Taylor, it's, it's a tough place to play. And it's a, still a pretty decent rivalry for Team Tech. But I like what I saw. I want to see him throw the ball a little more. You know, he struggles with the deep ball, you know, as far as accuracy goes. But he also had Trey out. You know, had a couple little pieces missing there. But, yeah, I like what I saw. I think uh, – one thing that I really noticed was it seems like the team reacted to him differently than Willis. I just, you know, it almost, he seemed much more of a leader to me. You know, again, we're going to find out the next couple of weeks, especially when we do the ACC play. But, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I like the change so far. I thought Hendon looked really good in there, and I thought the biggest thing about him was how everyone was fired up. Uh, obviously, it makes sense, you know, the defense is doing its job. They're fired up on their own. Uh, and then the offense just finally seeing some drives end in some points after, you know, two lackluster weeks. But uh, defensively, you know, it's it's Bud Foster's last year. And, and it doesn't seem like a, a typical Bud Foster defense. And I know you don't have all the answers and I can't expect you to answer every little problem that's going wrong with Virginia Tech, but it just seems like these past two years, uh, Virginia Tech's defense just hasn't looked remotely how they did in, in all of his other seasons. 
where, where do you see the biggest weaknesses right now with this defense? Well, it's a talent issue. I mean, recruiting misses are, are hurting us in a couple of spots. But the uh, Foster defenses notoriously get pressure with their front four. And the rest of the defense thrives if they can do that. We're just not getting pressure up front like we have in years past. Um, linebacker play is better. Our DBs are a little better this year. I have seen improvement. I like what I see out of Waller. Uh, Farley's better. He struggled at times, but he's definitely shown some improvement. Um, I mean, I think that's the main thing. I just, we, we don't get to the quarterback like we used to. Yeah, Bud Foster defenses have always had a lot of sacks. And majority of it came from the front four. You know, he's always been very creative with his blitz packages. And, you know, I just, he's even limited there some now because of, you know, some personnel. But, you know, I think this tough because I've been a guy, I've been around since Virginia Tech since the early to mid 90s. And it's the end of an era. For me, I mean, certainly guys that played for him and fans that have been around that long like myself, it's, it's tough to watch it end like this. And I think this year, you know, the defense is going to sputter at times. It's, it's you know, it's not sad, but I just, you know, I wish this team was – I wouldn't want to see it in the rest of the year. I want them to see them play hard. I want to see them play hard for Bud. I want them to be gritty. I want. I just want it to feel like a Bud Foster defense before the end of the year. I think they yelled a little bit. Saturday, I mean, they had a good game against Miami, a bunch of turnovers, but it's, um, that, you know, overall, the problems with the defense budget, you had a coach all of a sudden. He's just, you know, and Charlie didn't either, none of those guys, but, um, and let me say something about Justin Hamilton real quick. There's a lot of talk about him and his future, what kind of coach he is. It's hard to see reading the message board, watching TV, listening to interviews, what kind of impact he's had, but he's, uh, He's got a really, really bright future. Um, quite a few teams outside of the ACC have got an eye on him. Uh, from what I've been told, he's just—he's a really bright young name in college football right now. And I do think, no matter what happens next year with coaching changes, if we have any certain that we're going to on defense, but I think he's going to be a name that's going to—I think he's going to have a spot at Virginia Tech. But now back on topic a little bit, but. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're just we don't we're not as talented as we were a lot of positions. You know, we don't have even right now we don't have uh, guys like Daryl Tapp or even Dolan Burchett or the DB brothers. I mean, we not even household names. We just don't have guys at, at certain positions that are playmakers. I think that's just hurting us overall. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Also on the Justin Hamilton part of it, uh, you know, was fortunate enough to meet him a few times and, you know, shaking his hand, you can just tell right away that whether or not a coach has it or not, whether they can relate to anyone and just the way he was coaching guys at, at recruiting camps, granted, um, you could just tell that, you know, he's fired up to be there and he he has a lot to prove, but he's clearly putting in the work and, yeah, I I completely agree with you. I I know they make those lists all the time of, you know, the biggest risers. I would be shocked if he weren't on one of those lists. You did mention, you know, it's tough seeing this as Bud Foster's defense right now, uh, at least the identity for the past two years. 
but pretty soon there's going to be a time where Bud Foster isn't roaming the sidelines anymore and heading into retirement. And everyone seems to want something concrete, an answer from Whit Babcock. But it seems like we just need to let this defensive coordinator process play itself out. But in terms of qualities, uh, it's always tough following a legend. But what do you personally want to see out of whoever might be the next defensive coordinator at Virginia Tech? Yeah, I've talked about this on the board many times. And the main thing for me is Virginia Tech football has always uh, been a very proud blue-collar program. And what I mean by that, they've always been tough. They've been gritty. They've been hard workers. We didn't have – you know, Cornell Brown kind of started the uh, – I love Cornell. He's a great guy. He's actually from my hometown. I've known him for years, but he's he kind of started that trend. You know, he he was one of the first big recruits that Frank ever brought in. But in saying that, again, you you just want to get that gritty, hard nosed, tough defense. He the same kind of guys that we had back in the '90s, early 2000s. You know, Jimmy Williams. Macho Harris, when you can list dozens of players, um, you just want to feel like when a team plays us, they're scared of us again. Because for years, people were scared to play a blood culture defense. I mean, they knew win or lose, they were in for a battle, they were in for a fight. And I just don't, I don't think we're respected like that. I mean, it's tough to follow a legend, too, by the way. It's, it has some perks coming here to Virginia Tech, great fan base. You know, we, we talk all the time about facilities and that kind of stuff, but it's a very attractive job, um, probably for a young up and comer. I'm okay with that if the hire is right. You know, I think you know, there's plenty of guys. I mean, how many times have we heard Debo Sweeney's name on uh, Virginia Tech message board? I mean, it, he wasn't a huge name at the time of that hire. He, and obviously, you've seen what he's done in Clemson. So I'm okay taking a chance on a guy, but what I do want to see is a a lot of research, a lot of homework done on this guy because the bottom line is we talk about recruiting all the time, especially on the message board. It has to be a real X of the nose guy. Um, offense wins championships now. It's not like the old days where defense wins championships. But we got to bring a guy in here who can slow down some of these you know, big offenses. Um, you're seeing people, these spread offenses, you know, that, that game has completely changed. Bud has progressed with that through the years um, pretty well, especially for a coach's age. But I think what we – again, I just want to get back to tough, hard-nosed, gritty football. I want it to be fun again. You know, it's been, the last few years have been tough to watch. And it's been tough on Bud, too. It's been tough on Charlie. It's been tough to, you know, on all those guys. Tori, when he was still here, you know, it's – I want I want that identity again right now. We don't have that on I will say on the bright side, whoever comes in next year to fill that void, there are several players in key positions on defense that they'll have to work with. I mean, we're already seeing, you know, four-star battles between Dax Hollyfield and Alan Tisdale, uh, Rayshard Ashby. A lot of these guys are coming back. So I'll be interested to see who they pick if they try to go with the same guy that, that, that could bring the same sort of scheme or, you know, get a guy that's, really good at developing. I mean, there's all kinds of different directions that, you know, Whit Babcock and company can take this. I think, like you said, Virginia yeah. Tech is, uh, you know, it is it is tough following a legend, but there's not many schools that are 
offering the type of money that Virginia Tech is. Not to say that they're going to hand someone out a million dollars just to be the defensive coordinator at Virginia Tech, but it just feels like, you know, they got a lot going for them at least, you know, a lot of pieces. Um, And I'm not saying it's Bud's fault for not figuring it out. Uh, I just feel like with, with the youth and, you know, defensive line, it's just tough right now. But uh, it does, you know, there are brighter days ahead, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will say something about it as far as the big coach. I don't think people should expect to see Virginia Tech dump Buck Foster money on a coordinator. But it took Bud Foster decades to get Bud Foster money. Um, I do think we're going to be able to pay a defensive coordinator well. And I think it's going to attract some names, too, I can tell you. In years past, people don't realize, uh, like when Scott Leffler retired and some other people, there were some really big names that, that threw their hat in the ring. Um, probably took their hat out of the ring when they realized some of the pay restraints, that kind of stuff. But, you know, again, we're going to have enough money where we can attract a, a name. Um, I think it's going to be good when it's all said and done, but we'll, uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, this is, for me, and I love Frank Beamer, the family. Um, this is as big as replacing Frank for me. I mean, it's, again, a, a huge part of our identity was Bud Foster. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting moving forward. And, you know, I, I, we, for the most part, he made good hires. You know, I think there's a lot of angst right now about Fuente, but a few years ago when he was hired, most people were really excited about this hire. You know, I think recruiting, a few other things, maybe his assistant hires didn't have everybody jumping up and down. But it's uh, we're definitely at a crossroads of Virginia Tech. Started with Fuente, now Bud's gone, Charlie, you know. I'm just assuming when a new defensive coordinator comes in that he's going to bring his own guys. But it's a, uh, it's a whole new ball game after this year at Virginia Tech and it's going to be interesting. No doubt about that. No matter what, which way it goes, which direction it takes, that you know we'll be able to discuss it and and talk about who's coming in and what they bring to the table. It's definitely going to be strange seeing someone else as a defense coordinator for Virginia Tech. Uh, but to kind of put a positive twist to the end of this, um, I know you probably. I mean, I haven't even really watched URI at all, um, but. I mean, we can all assume that it's going to be uh, a stomp fest for Virginia Tech. I mean, it's a one in four FCS school. But, you know, what are some things heading into this weekend that you'd like to see out of Virginia Tech? It's funny. We were talking, I don't even know what their mascot is. What's their mascot? I think it's the Rams. Rhode Island Rams. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, probably. But. Yeah, so usually on a game like this, Virginia Tech fans in years past, you knew by halftime that they were going to drop the hammer, you were going to score, you know, 40 plus points. Second and third team were going to score some points in third quarter, fourth quarter is going to be a snooze fest. I don't know that with this team. I hope they let Hendon in there and let him just run wild for two quarters. Hopefully in the third quarter we start getting subs, some. Some time, but I mean, we got guys. I mean, like Quincy. I'd love to see Quincy get some reps, get in the fourth quarter. But I want him to, again, I want to go in there and mash the gas pedal, have this thing over at halftime. We can start playing some guys, get guys rest that need rest. You know, this is, 
you hear the word tune-up all the time. This is definitely a tune-up week, and I think that uh, we need to treat it like that. But, I, you know, no mercy for half a football. Just go out there and, and get up, score as many points as you can, get it over with. And there's, there's a lot of guys that need to get some reps in that second half and plenty of guys that need, need rest. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. Looks like it's going to be good weather. It's been a pretty weekend in Blacksburg, so should be a good time. Yeah, we only get so many of these games left. Uh, it's going to be uh, the midway point in the season after the Rhode Island game, which is kind of scary to think about because I feel like the season literally just started. And, and know. you know, after this, there's only six more games, and they get a lot tougher after this one. So this is kind of the last time you can kind of sit back on your couch, relax a little bit, hopefully. I mean, you don't know with this Virginia Tech team, but, you know, I think they'll. I think this will finally be – uh, a result where uh, they can look back at it, fans can look back at it and say, you know what, that was that was good. You know, they did well here. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be a super exciting game. Uh, I think if, if it were up to Fuente or Cornelson, uh, they would run the ball 60 times and try to get 400 yards on the ground, uh, really limit any of the quarterbacks. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, I'm just saying it is a tune-up game. That's, that's what they use these games for. I mean, it, I, it's not a practice. It's not a scrimmage. But they do need to get some, get in there and work on some things. It gives them extra reps, you know, in, in a meaningful situation and get you know, get those guys in there. And um, like, like I said, we, we should go in there and it shouldn't be closed by halftime. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I will say this. I mean, I, everyone wants to see Hendon throw as much as possible. Uh, see what he really brings to the table. But I just don't know if Virginia Tech will want to do that. Maybe it's, one, a competitive advantage uh, to not throw 40 times uh, and give opponents more tape on him. I don't really think that's the case. I'm just trying to figure it out because I just have a feeling in the back of my head he's not going to throw too much and, and two, to kind of keep him well-rested and and uh, take it easy. Right. but. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm I'm excited to see the final scoreline. I'm, I'm not too excited about the journey to get there, but, uh, you know, no yeah. But, CZY, thank you for joining on. This was a, an absolute pleasure for my end, uh, and hopefully we can get you back on here soon. All right, thanks, buddy. Go Hokies. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With Fuel Cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We now got Doug on the line, second time this week. Doug, how's your night going? Good, good. We uh, took a tough loss um, in a little wiffle ball contest earlier, but you know we'll get back at them next week. Get back, get back in the cage, and get back to work and see what we can do to get better before next week. Yeah, it's all about going one and zero. That's the mentality that you have to have. Yeah, we went zero and one tonight. But <laughs> all, all about getting better week to week, and got to call some better plays, maybe or something like that. Yeah, you know, just make some adjustments. But speaking of one and zero. A highly expected result for Virginia Tech this weekend as they take on Rhode Island. Now, I'll be brutally honest with you. 
I have not really checked anything out to do with Rhode Island. I haven't looked at any of their games. All I know is that last week, while I was waiting for the Virginia Tech game, I briefly saw two drives from Rhode Island where they went up against Brown. Shout out to my mom's alma mater. Um, And unfortunately, Brown took the loss, uh, the only win for Rhode Island. Um, But one in four FCS school, this seems like as close to relaxation mode as Virginia Tech is going to be for the rest of the season. Are there any causes for concerns with Rhode Island? I no. Um, you know, they're one and four as an FCS team. We talked a couple weeks ago about Furman as a legitimately good FCS team, but you know, they're a top 15 program in FCS. Rhode Island is not that, um, you know, they, They've given up 30 points a game every single game this year. Um, their one FBS game, they played Ohio to open the year and lost 41 to 20. So you like to think that that this that this shouldn't be that big of an issue. Um, I think the one area you might be concerned about, not that it, that it should be a concern that Virginia Tech might not win the game, but you, you might see them fling the ball around a little bit. You know, they're, they have two good wide receivers and um, the quarterback to throw them the ball pretty much all the time. They've, thrown, they've attempted over 200 passes. When you look at, over, at Virginia Tech's quarterbacks, they've attempted around 80. So um, you're looking at a big, a big passing attack, but it's not anything that Virginia Tech shouldn't be able to handle. Now, we could go on about Rhode Island. I don't think anyone would be too interested to hear about their specific playmakers or uh, what they do well. You already alluded to it. They're a very heavy passing team. But for let's shift the focus to Virginia Tech here. Obviously, coming off a huge win against Miami, uh, kind of reignited the fan base. Everyone seems a, a little bit more positive about the season outlook. Before it was maybe Virginia Tech can win one ACC, two ACC games. Now it's, okay, let's compete. Let's do this. We're ready. What do you think would constitute a step forward? We can start with the offense and specifically Hendon Hooker. What do you think would constitute a step forward for Hendon Hooker against Rhode Island? Well, I think it's just about coming out and taking care of business as an offense and, you know, asserting their will, you know, being dominant, going up and down the field distantly, um, certainly stretching the field. You know, they hooker last week, they, they kept them pretty conservative until they schemed up the one, the one rub play that got James Mitchell open for a deep ball. I think they threw two deep balls to Damon Hazleton. So maybe, you, maybe you see them, you know, give them a chance to throw the ball down the field a little bit more. Um, I definitely don't want to see him running too often, um, considering he's got a bum, you know, non-throwing shoulder. I, I don't, I don't want a Rhode Island team taking any shots at him running the ball. So just continued, continued development, throwing the ball and getting more comfortable there. And you know, you would, you would ultimately like to see. 
Virginia Tech put up enough points to where this one's out of reach around halftime, basically. Yeah, I agree with you there. I have two points of views on this. And I was talking to CZY a little bit earlier, and I was kind of saying that Virginia Tech probably doesn't want to put too much on Hendon Hooker's plate. Yes, the fans want to see him air it out 40 times, five touchdowns, six touchdowns, you know, put up insane statistics as a passer. I think we're both in agreement. We don't want to see him running too much. But on the one hand, I feel like Virginia Tech wants to be as limited as possible. And this is a a, a very, I I don't know how much I believe in this take. I just feel some some part of me feels like Virginia Tech wants to do this, but they don't want to allow Hendon Hooker to do too much in the game that they kind of want to keep him under wraps and and controlled because giving more film away to a team like North Carolina to use uh, could be detrimental to the team. I don't know. This is, this is just one side that I was thinking of. On the other hand, I feel like this is the last time, and I feel like we keep saying that, but this is the last time that Hendon Hooker can really make mistakes, that it's UNC and then it's all uphill from there, that every game is so crucial for not only the ACC, but to make that bowl win mark. So I don't know exactly what I'm expecting to see from him. I want to kind of open this up now for the entire offense. If there's anyone in particular that that you would like to see go off, uh, my feelings are that uh, Hendon Hooker is going to throw maybe 15 times, uh, run a little bit, see how he can operate with the first stringers for a good chunk of the first half, maybe a little bit into the second half. Um, but I feel like Virginia Tech is just going to want to make it the Keyshawn King and Deshaun McLeish show. What do you What do you think as in terms of other players stepping up to play? Well, first, I, th- I think you. I think your theory on hiding, hiding things on film, so so future opponents don't get much on film, is probably, um, probably the right decision here. I think you're really only worried about North Carolina because obviously you're not going to hide anything at that point. But um, in terms of keeping some things under wraps, but I think you can you can run, you can push the ball down the field a little bit and let them get comfortable there maybe running some stuff that Ryan Willis ran um, as far as down the field so that, you know, it's nothing new, but it's a, it'll put Hooker in a different position. So I think that's an area to watch. Um, and then I think the other, the other guy that I think you got to get going is Damon Hazleton as a guy that had one catch against Duke, one catch against Miami, both huge catches, but that's a guy that, you're going to need to get involved much, much more um, as we go into North Carolina next week and then in November. So, you know, I'd like to get him five or six passes, really get him back involved as a big part of this offense and then get him out of the game so he doesn't get hurt again. Um, I think that's that's going to be a big thing really throughout this game is when we get in the second and third quarter where hopefully Virginia Tech has this one well in hand, you got to get your key players out. Now, in terms of quarterbacks, this is another game that we kind of highlight before the season. It was Furman Old Dominion, didn't really happen, uh, but a game where multiple quarterbacks can play. Do you put in Ryan Willis in this game at all? 
Now he's a little bit questionable with, with his injury. I think it's pretty legitimate by now. But do you go from Hendon Hooker if the score is large enough or the, the margin uh, on the scoreboard is large enough? Do you go with Quincy Patterson right after that? How would you handle this this whole ordeal? I definitely just a Hooker and Patterson. So in terms of, I mean, you know what Ryan Willis is at this point, and you don't know. I mean, Hendon Hooker only has one start. Um, you don't really know what he's bringing to the table. And so you need to get him, you know, two quarters, two and a half quarters. They'd like to bring him back after half time to see, to, you know, make some halftime adjustments and then watch him carry it out for a drive or two in the second half. But then I think you just, you got to turn to Quincy if if the game is in hand enough um, and just to get him on the field and see what he can do. Um, he's certainly been a guy that you want to see for the last couple of years. Played one snap this year, handful of snaps last year. Um, I don't really see the benefit at this point in the season here in Game Six, um, and 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 putting Willis back out on the field, especially when he's hurt. That's the biggest thing. I mean, we we talked about this the last couple of weeks, and that if Ryan Willis is as hurt as it seems, there's no reason to play him even next week against North Carolina. You keep him on, and keep him under wraps until maybe you need him against Notre Dame because, I mean, looking back, he hasn't played since the Duke game. So he could get five weeks of of rest before the last five games of the year. So I, I think the decision is obvious, and that's Quincy Patterson. Obviously, if Hooker gets hurt early before the game is decided, you probably go to Willis. If you're changing quarterbacks later in the game and Texas up a handful of scores and everything everything you know out of reach then i think you go to quincy patterson one name i'll throw out there that i hope we can see on saturday i'm not exactly sure of all the the four game thresholds for red shirts at this point uh but a guy like nick gallo at tight end i'm excited to see if if he gets to suit up and and kind of take some reps at tight end i think he would be one of those guys that I'm really looking at. Uh, I doubt any of the freshman wide receivers outside Tavion Robinson will play. No Jaden Peute, Elijah Bowick, Jacoby Pinkney. I don't know if any of them will play, honestly. Um, but yeah, I, I think the most exciting thing from someone that covers this team is that these games, hopefully allow the opportunity to see some of the guys that are buried on the depth chart. And because of that new rule where you can play any freshman or whatever the class may be up to four games, I think it's crucial to see what else Virginia tech has. So I think Nick Gallo is one guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Hopefully, uh, are there any for you? Yeah, Gallo is definitely one. I don't know where it is, where his red shirt is. Um, you know, necessarily, and if this is going to be the game, but you know, I don't think if you're looking to get him experience, you're not going to play him as much in the final five, six games of the year against great competition. So, you know, if you want to give him a look as the number one tight end, that's definitely a guy um, to look at. I think there's a chance you could see a wide receiver there, um, considering Hazelton's got a you know a hamstring that could act up at any time. Turner's obviously hurt right now. Virginia Tech's operating with. A little bit of Grimsley, maybe 
Tavion Robinson and Caleb Smith. Um, so I think a guy like maybe Elijah Bowick that came in early, um, or, or pay out, as you said, um, you know, might make a move there. Other than that, I don't, I don't really see a lot of, I think Josh Fuga at defensive tackle, um, could see, could see some time, especially with, um, Deshaun Crawford probably out. But other than that, um, I don't know whether you, whether you really have many options there that make sense considering, considering that the backups that Virginia Tech has need the reps just as much. You're not going to get to the third and fourth levels of the depth chart because the second level needs just as many reps, you know, to, to be ready to go as, as anybody. That is a very fair point. I just like to, you know, I'd like to envision the different scenarios and seeing who, who else Virginia Tech has on their roster. So that's where my mind goes. But I'm in total agreement with you. Virginia Tech really isn't the team right now to be able to be afforded that luxury. They kind of have to solidify what they have in the in the two deep. I, I, I totally agree with you. But we can flip things over to the defensive side of the ball and specifically looking at Bud Foster's defense. What do you think the expectation is? Do you think, you know, this should be one of the last shutouts for, for Bud Foster? Or, uh, you know, what constitutes a good game for the defense? Um, I think they just got to play a full game. I mean, they haven't done it yet. You look at, obviously, Boston College, they gave up 35 points there. ODU, they dominate for the first half and then, you know, give up some leeway there in the second half, come back against Furman, and they struggle in the first half, come back in the second half and dominate. Then obviously Duke didn't dominate at all anywhere. Miami, they were dominant in the first half, and then obviously surrendered a ton in the second half. So you want to see, you know, a a complete game, keep them in the single digits, I think is a fair, fair, you know, expectation or, or desire there. Um, you look at the secondary in particular, I mean, that's the one area that I, that I mentioned earlier that Tech is going to be tested in terms of Rhode Island's one quarterback and two wide receivers, basically. So, so guys like Farley and Waller um, and the safety help over the top, that's going to be where you're going to be tested. So, I mean, after seven sacks against Miami, you just want to see them continue to keep up that momentum and and improve at the defense overall. Yeah, CZY and I were talking about it at the defensive line, probably the biggest glaring weakness of the Virginia Tech defense at this point in time. Though they did play well last week, you want to see them continue to pile up those sack totals, tackle for losses, quarterback hurries and whatnot. Uh, the linebackers, I'll be curious to see. You know, that rotation continuing with Dax Hollyfield and Alan Tisdale. And, in the, and then in the back end, really, uh, hopefully the secondary can have a strong day and kind of uh, limit the exposure that uh, Rhode Island's offense has on the field to pass heavy offense. And I really want to see Devin Hunter play in uh, that number 25 jersey. We'll see if that happens. Um, and again, I know what you're saying. You want to see uh, a solid effort from the first whistle to the last. And I 100% agree with that. But just to make things more interesting, I have to throw this name out there. And this is a name that you brought up a few weeks ago. Any chance do you think 
that we can see Amari Barno. Absolutely. I think, you know, as a, I mean, that's what the four, four red shirt, four game red shirt rule is, is all about is giving them a, giving those guys, you know, an opportunity to play. That's a guy that, you know, you're going to want to, you're going to see if he can contribute. Um, even if, you know, you can save him for three more games after this, you know, maybe he can be, maybe he can be a threat. Um, you look at the linebacker depth chart. I mean, you're looking at you're looking at Ashby and then Hollyfield and Tisdale splitting time. Um, you know, you get Dylan Rivers in there, but you know what he is really as a junior at this point. If you give Barno, you know, the, the fourth quarter at, at backer and see what he can do there. Um, for sure, I think he's a guy that you, you want to see on the field. He's a junior already, so you know clearly red turning this year but you also don't have that much time to develop them so you want to see him on the field a little bit yeah get some game reps in get something to perk him up in the in the player meetings that he can finally see himself on game tape i think that would be nice for him uh but yeah in total very excited to see what happens i do want to move things over to the prediction side of things this one's a tough one um, and, and I'm going to make up my prediction on the spot. But what do you have for the final score at Elaine Stadium on Saturday? I'm going to go 42 to 13. Okay, okay. Uh, and who, who steps up the most for the Virginia Tech offense? Where where are these points coming from? Yeah, I think you I mean, you touched on a little earlier in terms of this is probably going to be a, game, a big game for Deshaun McQueen and Deshaun King. Um, I think you know Virginia Tech is gonna is gonna get Hooker some throws to be comfortable there, and then you get Patterson in. I'm not sure how many throws how many throws really. They're not gonna put in Patterson up a couple touch a handful of touchdowns and let him throw the ball around 20 times. So it's gonna be a heavy running game, um, especially when they get up, you know, ahead ahead in the game. So I think McLeese and Particularly, probably Kashawn King is the guy that's going to carry the load at least around halftime to the rest of the game. I'm going to go 42 to 10, Virginia Tech. Uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, but uh, as much as I want to see a game where Hendon Hooker is airing it out and finishing the day with 300 plus yards and multiple touchdowns either through the air with his legs. I just have a feeling that this is going to be the type of game where Virginia Tech runs the ball, runs it often, and finds success on the ground for once. I just think that their offensive line will pose too many problems for Rhode Island, and I think there'll be enough space for McLeese, uh, for Keyshawn King. I even think we'll see a bunch of Caleb Stewart. Um I think the three of them will combine for, you know, 40-plus carries and uh, hopefully over 200 yards. We'll see. Um, but I think a, a bulk of the production will come from the ground game. And then defensively, uh, I, th- I think Virginia Tech is a little fired up after last weekend. Obviously, that second half was kind of a letdown. Um, but who knows? The Rhode Island may be able to put up more points, especially if Virginia Tech goes up big and then they 
bring in some of the depth guys. Uh, not too high on, you know, the second team D at this point in time. So I could see a higher margin for uh, Rhode Island. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll be back next week to break down all the action. Hopefully there's plenty of it. Um, but, Doug, thanks. That was wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was it was very brave of you to come on. <laughs> I, you know, anytime you can talk about a big game against the Rhode Island Rams, um, you know, you, you got to come on. Well, I'm glad you said that because CZY and I were actually debating what the mascot was. I'm glad to hear confirmed. It is the Rhode Island Rams. I've refrained from using their mascot this entire time. But, Doug, once again... Thanks, and we'll talk to you early next week.